Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode uh, on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, recorded in a hotel room somewhere near Brighton last week uh, whilst I was hanging out with everyone on the NXT tour of the UK. Um, it, I had a great week. I'll get to more of that in a second. Um, but my guests, this came about because one of them just texted me and said, Do you know what would be a good idea for your podcast? Uh, my guests this week are William Regal and Robbie Brookside, two men who've been best friends for over 30 years, just having a chat in a hotel room. We talk for an hour and 40 minutes. We barely scratched the surface of what they could have spoken about. Um, yeah, it's it's a great chat. I was super pleased to do this. They're both my friends. Um, uh, William Regal texted me and said, why don't me and Robbie chat on your podcast? Won't that be cool? Um, he's right. It is cool. Um, and I'll get uh, into that chat and a little bit about the NXT tour um, in just a second. Better get the plugs out of the way first. Obviously, my wrestling company, Progress Wrestling, uh, progresswrestling.com for tickets to our show in New York on August the 12th. And our huge show at Alexandra Palace, I think there's about 150 tickets left for that now. Our huge show at Alexandra Palace on Sunday, September the 10th uh, in London. Um, they're the only two shows you can actually buy tickets for at the moment. Everything else is sold out, as seems to be our way. Um, so progresswrestling.com for that. Demand-progress.com. So if you want to watch all of our shows, including the Super Strong Style 16 weekend, um, which if I had to put my name to something in wrestling, um, not just in wrestling, in all of my careers, comedy, writing, everything I've ever done, I think the Super Strong Style 16, the three shows that constitute that weekend are are some of the best things I've ever been involved with. Um, huge credit to all the talent involved in it. Um, but I know myself, John and Glenn, super pleased with how that went. So if you want to go and watch them, you can. It's about a five or roughly about $7.50 um, to subscribe uh, for a month and you can watch all our shows. So, you know, maybe go and do that. Demand-progress.com. Obviously support everything on the Distraction Pieces Network. Scrooby's Pips Distraction Pieces podcast. Uh, Hardcore Listing, Say Why to Drugs, um, and the Stop and Search podcast all tremendously educational even for someone like me um certainly the say why to drugs episodes um super educational for someone like me who is very uh, i'm straight edge i'm very anti-drugs um but i think they're they're wonderful educational tools if you just want to know 
a, a neutral viewpoint rather than believing what you read in the press or believing what people who are pro something say. I think it's a super cool thing to do. Um, hardcore listing is great. Stop and search is great. Obviously, distraction pieces is great because it's Pip's podcast and it's the reason when I was a guest on it that I do this podcast. So I think that's awesome. Um, so yeah, so support all the other podcasts on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, that makes me happy if you do that. And to support this podcast, um, there will be merch soon. I keep promising it you. I've been very busy. Um, I go to America this week, so I'm still super busy. Um, but there will be uh, there will be Tuesday Night Jaw merch at some point. But if you want to support in a different way, then make sure you rate or review us on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast from. Um, tell people about this podcast. Uh, tweet about it. Copy me on the tweet, at Jim Smallman. Use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Or point people at my website where I've got a list of all the episodes that we've done and all the best ways that you can subscribe. So that's jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. Lowercase. Doesn't work in uppercase for some reason. But jimsmallman.com slash TNJ. Lowercase. Um... I also recorded uh, a podcast. You probably saw me tweeting about it. I'm not going to mention who it is. I recorded a podcast with someone else involved in NXT that we can't put up just yet for reasons. Um, that'll be up soon. Um, uh, so it might be in a week, might be in six months. Don't know. But I've recorded it and it's in the can, as it were. And I'll be recording some more cool ones with uh, with various guests um, over the course of the next couple of weeks. I know a lot of people like the roundtables. Uh, there's not going to be any roundtables this month. I know there's two WWE pay-per-views this month. There's not going to be any roundtables because I'm dead busy. I've spent all this week uh, hanging out as part of the NXT tour. You may have briefly seen me accidentally. I didn't want to be on camera. But you may have briefly seen me on Sky News um, visiting uh, uh, Adam and Lily who were involved in the um, uh, caught up in the, the terror attack in Manchester. And WWE... I mean, I, I asked... Uh, a question through William Regal would it be possible to get uh, Lily some stuff um, because she's a huge wrestling fan she's only 8 years old and they came through and then some sent FedEx the big box to my house um, uh, which I, I then delivered along with uh, the uh, Progress Super Strong Style 16 banner that had been signed by uh, everybody who was at the show which was really really cool I managed to give that to Adam um, but um, they, she also got visited by uh, Bobby Roode and by Mark Andrews and by Nikki Cross, and it was really sweet of WWE letting me tag along with that. Um, it, it's nothing to do with me; they already had the idea to do it. Um, they'd seen on social media that, that, that they were wrestling fans. It's not my doing at all. WWE did it all themselves. Um, and and you know when you read about these visits, um, first of all, I'm a parent, so I, it it got me. Like it, you know, hearing how poorly uh, Lily had been, and, and Adam's other half, Lauren, was still in hospital at the time. Like that, it, it really choked me up. Um, because they're good people and and they got caught up in something horrible. But Lily is the bravest little girl. Um, such a cool, such a cool kid to have, have chatted to and spent time uh, talking to. And just watching her with Bobby Roode and Nikki Cross and Mark Andrews, like they were new best mates. And she got to FaceTime Sasha Banks, who's another one of her favourites. And watching those guys with her, someone like Bobby Roode's done it, done it before, but just so much time. There was no time limit on anything. They just got to sit there and chat and. And, you know, super, super into just talking to her and, and hearing about her and chatting about wrestling and making her laugh. And it it was a really, really cool thing. And I think it's a side of wrestling that people don't see. I'm an independent wrestling promoter. Like, we don't have the reach to do stuff like that. But do we really do? And getting to see them do that was just a genuine highlight of my week, as well as being able to go to the, the shows in Aberdeen and in Brighton and in Leeds. I enjoyed all of them massively um really did and i chatted to some uh i chatted to some 
Progress and uh, Tuesday Night Jaw fans at the show in Brighton. A couple of people came up and high-fived me, which was really, really cool. Um, but no, it was good. It was a really cool experience. I got to see it. Uh, I, I got to see a lot of wrestling in the space of a week and see some uh, current friends and see some old friends. And it was, you know, it was a great experience. So I'm super grateful uh, to WWE for just letting me tag along. I've had a great week. Um, so yeah, another podcast will be coming up soon, but this podcast you get now. So go and listen to William Regal and Robbie Brookside, two national treasures, two of the most... Uh, fantastic people ever to have been involved in professional wrestling just having a chat with me for a bit I'm barely involved little apology uh, William Regal had a cold so he was coughing a little bit I've cut out quite a lot of the coughing um, and um, uh, and obviously there's three of us around a portable recorder in a hotel room and I'm sat on the bed so occasionally you can hear me creaking because I've got really bad sciatica and I had to move every now and again so apologies for those little sound things apart from that I've listened to it and gone back through it and made sure everything sounds pretty cool so um so yeah enjoy it I'll catch you on the other side cheers guys gentlemen (coughs) hello good it's a good start yeah Yeah. good afternoon um thanks first of all thanks for doing this this was this was your idea, Mr. Regal, because you texted me and said, do you know what would be a laugh for your podcast? Is if you get me and Robbie Brookside together. So so that's what we're doing. And I'm normally I have to ask all these questions, and I'm aware today I'm probably not going to be required that much, so I'm going to sit back and listen to you two talk. So, how long have you known each other? Right, we started... We first met in 1985, is that correct? That is correct. Um, is it 85 or 86? No, 85. Eight, 85. Yes. Um, at the Carla Grand in Fleetwood, which is a, 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 a caravan park. Nice. Which was a regular show um, for Bobby Barron of Worldwide Wrestling Promotions of Blackpool, <laughs> <laughs> which is what his company was called, where we both... Uh, Bob was a, a wonderful fella who started us both in his own way, and he, used, he was the fella that used to run the uh, Pleasure Beach, and then had like loads of little shows in and around Blackpool and the northwest coast, and sometimes further afield. And we spent a week together, and the first day, I, I was a regular on the crew, and Robbie had been a regular on the crew two years earlier than that. Is that correct? And then. Uh, three years three years years. and then so Robbie came back for the week which was unexpected to me he he came back and worked for Bob for the week and the first thing I remember is saying hello to him and our pal um, Peter Thompson who used to wrestle as Steve Fury (laughs) who's well known within the industry as Peter the Thief Um, (laughs) you've told me about him before yeah Peter um (laughs) Peter's like the king of the wind-up merchants. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, anybody's listening, I've got a bit of a cold, so I sound like an old goose today. <laughs> There's an air of Barry White about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, Robbie's, Robbie's obviously... A, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll get to that in a bit, because he was one of her favourites. He was, Barry, yeah, wasn't he? Was. he? Yeah. The cassette. Yeah. Um, so, Robbie had his Everton... Kit on and his Everton hat, his baseball kit. Was it, would it be called a baseball kit? It was an Everton. Yeah, hat. but I, I just I, I never had, I never had, never used to wear kits. But I had a baseball, baseball yeah, the cap. Yeah. So he left it in the dressing room and went off to get a drink. And our friend, my friend Peter, well our friend Peter, I, I'm just sat there watching. He got 
a little bits of paper and put Liverpool on it and stuck it over where it was and everything they had that said Everton. <laughs> so that was the first time just sat there like, and that was sort of Peter in, in a nutshell. He was. Uh, there was a lot of things happened at the Carlegram, weren't there? Like, I'm sure you had your experiences. I had mine there. The, my favourite one was... There used to be a, a compare there. I won't say his name to save him any further embarrassment. But he was a, he was a lovely fella. And um, he was always on about his dad. Um, his dad had a... Was, my dad's in the business for... You know, I've been in the business my whole life. Been in show business. Brought up in show business. My dad's, uh, you know, great act. And so, what's what's your dad do? My dad's got, his dad had a budgie act, which is a for Americans listening is a a performing parakeet. They it's don't a tiny call, little bird. Isn't yeah, it? they don't call them budgies in in America. They're parakeets. Right. But the, yeah, he had a. The, it was a bit of a variety act. At the he ride a tiny bike. Well, right. So you have you have like the the little the little budgies and the, the parakeets and you have them walking up little little um, slides and they, you know like there's a full act with them and they, they ride little bikes and, and, and it's like a variety act well in Blackpool which was seven miles from the, the Carlingrand at the circus there there was the world's best budgie act which was Norman Barrett who was the the ringmaster at Blackpool Tower Circus and he was very famous for being there for 25 years or something and so he was like the king of the budgie acts that was he was the ringmaster but part of the circus twice a day was him doing his budgie act and he he, he was on the Ed Sullivan show doing it you know he was he went all over the world doing the budgie act in the winter when he wasn't doing the circus so Peter our friend Peter used to go oh you never guess what I won't say this fella's name but we've just come past the tower and the they're painting the big 50-foot-high picture of Norman Barrett outside with his budgies. And this fella used to get, his compere used to get the right hump and he used to go, my dad's just never had the brakes, he's better than that Norman Barrett. And there was, he was always on about his, and he'd go, my dad's just never had the brakes. He said, he's better than that Norman Barrett, he's got a better budgie act, you know. And, and it, there was, so... There was all this budgie going on, and one day Bobby Barron, who was a, a wonderful fellow, he was always smoking a pipe, and, and he, he was from Yorkshire, and, and he just went, he hasn't he got terrible budgie envy? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so anyway, it all it all came to an end one day when another friend of ours, who was a very instrumental in, in, in Robbie's career, Carl McGrath, who lived in uh, Southport, he come walking in the dressing room at the Carlegram, went, oh, through the, the local Southport newspaper on the table. <laughs> this, this is where this fella was from. This, this is where this compare's dad was from. Yeah. Local children's entertainer used his budgie to, to, like, he got caught, like, and put in jail for using the budgies to, like, get the children into his, <laughs> like, you know, in, like, grooming them and all that. It was terrible. So the following week, we get there, and Peter, typical Peter's, comes walking in with all these bags. He's got fifty pound of, of, of bird seed in these bags, so <laughs> he's put tra- everywhere in this building. Right, there's trails of bird seed going all over. I got a trill, trill. Yeah. <laughs> so, <there's>, uh, <laughs> 
so there's all these trails, like all along trails the... Trails and trails and trails. Like, where we used to put the ring was in this building with the, with the, on, the, on the dance floor and that. And there's all, all along the dance floor, there's these trails of birdseed everywhere. And so when the fellow went out to, to announce it, like, he's come in and seen all this birdseed and flipped right. It's all, it's all eyes. It's all eyes. There's nothing going on. And, like, and we... We've managed to get the, the radio mic. We've, there's two of them. And he's got one and he's talking to the audience. We're backstage and Peter's going... <laughs> <laughs> making, as, as, he's, as he's trying to do the bingo to the, to the people listening, he's doing budgie noises. <laughs> and this fella's flipped out and just left the building like it's just run off. So that was the kind of thing that sort of went on on a regular basis with us but that's where we met and we spent the week together <laughs> we met at the Calagrand <laughs> we been speaking about Trill <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh God. so that, that was the week we spent the week together and there was a lot happened in that week. We got to know each other very well. I did, didn't we work the first? Didn't we work? The, so, so <coughs> yes. Like, I, yeah. I, I went back to England and um, to get my visa in December, and I got a good, a good mate of mine. So like, uh, it hasn't really been documented about me, me, me marriage and all that. But like, uh, I, we split. I split with, with my wife in December, so I moved all my stuff, and I've got got all my stuff up in Kendall. Or my, my artifacts and my memoirs and whatever else, and I remember Bob like before before he passed away because like obviously he's instrumental in both both of our careers. Without him, we wouldn't we wouldn't be sat no, here now. Absolutely not. No. And um, I don't know how, how I got it, but there's there's I've got this like it's like a typical like picture from the mid eighties, uh, like a fo- photograph, but it's like mounted on a, on a, a bit of card and. I've, I looked at it and there's 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 me with a mullet going like that, like, like a big calf kipper on me on me face. And I'm sure it, it, you used to wear green trunks, didn't you, when you first started? I didn't get them till after. Uh, Finley gave me them. They were a pair of Pete Roberts's trunks and knee pads, so I like I cherished them. I didn't get those till I was about eighteen. So, um, um, so, uh, what, what year was that? That would have been eighty six or something. I, I, I swear it's you on that because it's a picture of the Carla Grand and Bob's uh, Bob's sat on the stage going you do what do we yeah and uh, so like that that particular day I, I was working with Brian on a you know full time thing then and um, that's Brian Dixon for anybody who doesn't yeah. know All Star Promotions Wrestling Enterprise oh, I was going to say Robbie will do an impression of him at some oh, point yeah, there it is it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it goes together with Alan Partridge Brian Dixon and Alan Partridge well, and Brian Potter nearly every British wrestler can do an impression of Brian Dixon yeah but not like Robbie not like Robbie's is I, I Jeff Wilde was the best really wasn't he no he wasn't stop, was he stop no no <laughs> <laughs> You've upset me. Jeff Wilde was a very good friend of mine. Yeah. He's um, was great. a photographer for, for the wrestling fraternity for a long while, <clears throat> and he was a real character. Um, and a lot, all of the pictures in Matt Bryan's, all the, all the magazines were from Jeff. I'd, I'd love. I, I, I don't know what's happened to him. He's yeah, he's gone off, yeah. gone off the beaten track. Um, <clears throat> but the, when I met Dad, I like it was uh, Bob phoned me up and went, do, do, you, do you want to do a bit next week? And, and I went, yeah, sounds. I'd love to come back. And um, 
so I think I, sta- I think I stayed there is one night but I remember the last night I was there we went back to yours uh, you and Chris had that, that flat in, in the, near, the, near the, the town centre and like it was a young it was the young, young see lad. that's what I'm thinking it was 86 and not 85 you know I didn't have that flat until 86 because I got I got married in November of, of I got no, November of 86 then it was 86 then it was 86 yeah so yeah so we, would you have them trunks yeah, I might have had them like, shots. It's like Poirot. I'm just yeah. saying, he's in a crime together. Yeah. It's brilliant. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are Victor and the other fellow. <laughs> yeah, still came. Still came like, yeah. Oh, it was not. It was not. It was 86. Um, so it, I, I'm sure it was you on this on this picture. Yeah, it <clears> was, yeah. Which, um, which makes it <clears throat> even more poignant to have, to have something, you know, from... Because back, back then we didn't... We weren't encouraged to to be to be good. Yeah. You know, you you were <clears throat> you were really given the what we say in Liverpool down the banks. You were given like you come out the ring and you and and you'd be given abuse abuse and told that in unceremoniously terms that you you're never going to add up to nothing. And uh, for me personally, it was like that for three years. And mm. and um, there was a couple of young lads who came in, but. Darren came in the job and we just sort of it's it. I think I worked with you the first night. Well, we we wrestled each other that that week, the whole week. What we did was Bob used to have all these different shows. He um and this is the infamous match that we had in front of no people, right? We we, we <laughs> so we, we, we get there was, in there was one person. There was, well yeah, well we'll get to two, that oh, in the week. Oh. But we were see I, I I'd been there wrestling you know for a couple of years and I, I, I'd, I'd met Marty Jones a year before in 85 and he was sort of retraining me but I still didn't have anybody to actually do any of the stuff yep. with Robbie was the first person that actually that week Bob put me on with to wrestle Robbie every day for every show that he had which was quite a, there was some double Sundays weren't there, there was afternoons and night shows and so go out and do a wrestling match right a competitive wrestling match and every day Robbie would say right what can you do and I would say which I, I always said I, I don't know anything you know because that's what you were told to say, and that's what I, I didn't think I knew anything but I, I, I'd, I'd been wrestling for a few years or, I mean all the time you know and you look back really but I, I wrestled the same few fellas and they sort of had their matches down yeah but then I, I, I'd been learning all this stuff with Marty, but I didn't really know. It's applying how, it, isn't it? It's applying yeah. it, you know. And so Robbie decided, which was that's why I owe, I owe him as much as anybody for anything because that week, like it was right, we'll put this in round one and we can do this, and then or just like letting me do things that I was learning. And I, oh wow, all of a sudden I felt like a different person by the end of the week. Mm. I mean, literally, it went from just. Well, I'll just be a wrestler here. To oh, there might be a future for me in this, and that was just down to him making me feel like I was a somebody by the yeah. end of the week by letting me do these things that I'd been. Marty Jones had taught me, but they say if you've got nobody to wrestle who wants to do that stuff mm. or allows you to do that stuff, you can't do it. So we wrestled each other there, and then we ended up going up to Grange over Sands, and then 
I don't know if we did bury it. We think we did, didn't we? But that was the year that Bob had Filey. Mm. They used to be. Oh, that was a separate trip. That. Oh, was it a separate that trip? That was when. We, oh yeah, yeah. But you, we, we, you we came very back. Nearly died. Yeah, you oh, came well, back I again, think, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I thought it was the same week, but it wasn't. Mm. Not, it wasn't long after that. No, it was like, I don't know, a couple a of weeks. Month, okay, month right. Because you came back a few times that yeah. summer, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, but anyway, that was how we sort of got together. Um, we went. I, I thought it was the same week, but the, then there was a separate week, a few weeks, obviously about a month later, where we did the same thing again. And um, Bobby Barron, who, who we were just talking about, there used to be a Butlins in Filey mm. that Robbie used to do on for Brian Dixon, and then it shut down. Now, there was some business fella who thought he could just open it up was his name Trevor Guy? Where did they get that name from? He might, might be. Trevor yeah. Guy was some like some entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah entrepreneur. He thought <coughs> he was just going to open it up and people were going to come. <laughs> so we went to the first week. Bob, Bob got the contract for the summer to do it. We went the first week and there was not a single person staying on the camp. Not one person had turned <laughs> up. But he'd already got the show. So we went on and wrestled each other. And he, he says one. I, I always thought there was three because there was... Uh, some bar people and a cleaner and and we sort of went can you come and watch this because Bob said he show's got to go on we're paid you know like doesn't matter if there's anybody there or not you just do the, the show right <laughs> I've had stand up promoters do that right, as well right <laughs> so, and so we got like a couple of the cleaners and there's a couple of the bar staff cleaning the glasses like that <clears> and <throat> called them over and we wrestled a six five minute round match with no falls <clears throat> 30 minute match because the other fellas wouldn't go on it was, it was Ripper and Peter yeah they wouldn't <clears> they didn't <throat> go on. so like I, yeah, I, I used to wrestle at Filey, and there'd be like three thousand people in this in this ballroom. It was, a, it was. I think a lot of people don't. When you hear about the camp, the holiday camps and, mm. and stuff, and people that know that do them now, a, a lot of American wrestlers don't understand the kind of crowd you get there because it's a captive audience and it rains a lot. Mm. Two and three thousand people in those ballrooms watching wrestling. There's, there's That's why you learn so much there. That's why Daniel Bryan and people that have come over, mm. and Dash Wilder and stuff, that you, you send them over here, and they get to work the summer seasons doing that. And you've got family audiences, and you learn what makes them, what works, and what doesn't. And it, it's, and it's a huge audience. But the, that's the thing with the yeah. crowds is every now and again, <clears throat> El Ligero takes a photo of every crowd that he performs in front of and puts it on Instagram, and. And obviously he does he does our shows and he does the camps and everything and it'll, if he's in places like Minehead and I've done stand up at Minehead when they yeah. do the um, Madstock the, the Madness mm. Music Festival yeah. <clears throat> and it's always I've been in that room because I've been on the stage there and there's always tons and tons of people there yeah. whenever whenever you go yeah. there yeah. It, you know it's like you say it's a captive audience but a captive audience is entertaining a captive audience is different to entertaining people who necessarily want to be there I suppose yeah. isn't it? We, we, we used to have two matches back in. 82, 83, 84, well, up until, up until like when Brian got the mm. the, the Summer Slam or whatever it's called. Um, See, I wasn't around for any of that. But he has like three three and fours now. But we, we used to have to go in the ring and do literally 30 minutes. Mm. And um, going there, going to file, we, we used to go down from here on a, on a, on a Monday and, and we get there and we used to know this, this group called the Smarty Gang. Group of women. I was sixteen. And there was Sandy Scott, John Kenny, Mike Bennett. <coughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was Carl McGrath. Uh, I mean, we, <clears throat> but the, the, 
the mainstays of the team were, were like Sandy Scott and uh, <clears throat> he introduced me to this group of women and uh, I ended up with with one of these young ladies but they were uh, as Sandy Scott used to call them KP they were key personnel so if you got to the Filey or Skegness or whatever else late um, there'd be one of the key personnel would be in, involved in the um, catering mm. so you'd always get a sandwich or something yeah. to eat one of them would be in the bar staff so you'd get like a crate of beer one of them would be in the uh, accommodation so you get a double bed getting a double bed back then was, was a huge thing <laughs> Brian, Brian used to always go he'd always have, know the numbers with the double beds and he'd go right that's my one <laughs> and um, I, and like going back to when I when I, when I started, like we we get to like these camps at like sometimes two in the morning. Especially Skeg, I always remember Skegness being like a, like particularly bad. And uh, we get there, we get there from Scarborough doing four shows on the Wednesday, and we get to see people don't realise that. We used to, you know, I never did that many, but. Four shows. Mm. I've done three, but they used to do four shows. I, I, I wrestled once six times in a day. Yeah. And Mike Bennett, oh. I wrestled Mike Bennett four times, and Terry Jowett twice <laughs> in, in one day. I mean, I'd rather do a year in prison. <laughs> <laughs> like in hindsight, thinking about it. If you're wrestling <clears> six <throat> times in a day, so when I've done, if I've done two or three stand-up gigs in a day, and I've done the same stuff, mm. there's there's often a point where I'll get. Through the second or third gig, have I said that? Is that is it like that we're wrestling? If you yeah, but you were in a different place, you were moving. You were just yeah. doing two matches. <clears throat> Sometimes, the way Bobby Barron worked was, as we've talked about on yeah. this on your podcast before, two matches, a bit of a break, they'd have whatever some entertainment, and then the same four fellas would go back in a tag. Yeah. Well, when I worked for Brian, I think when you, it was just two matches, right? Yeah. So you do. All, all down the round the coast, there was all these camps. So you'd go and do, put the ring up, do two matches, drop the ring, move a few miles down the road to the next one. Yeah. Do it again, down the road to the next one, do it again. And you could, you just, so it, it, it became a, a whatever. The difference being is with, with Robbie and with me to, to, to an extent is what kind of moods the fe- the older fellas were in that you were wrestling that day? Sure. Whether you had a, a good match or they just decided to stick your head up your backside or just to take it out on you to see if you had what it what they thought it took to stay in the business, mm. and which is you know no need to go into any of that because people think you're making stuff up, which you're not. But oh, you know, I, that, I, yeah. I just that particular week, <clears throat> I'd, um, we'd we'd been away the week before. I mean, I had a, a hell of a week. Brian wasn't there, so I was. I, had, I it was like having a week off, really. Yeah. And I was with uh, I, uh, Kashmir Singh was driving. Sandy Scott was in the front. John Kenny and Brian Maxine. I was going to say Goldberg then, but no, I'm not going to say it. Brian Maxine. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? We're <laughs> here all week, and, and, and we. And we, we and we'd had this like tremendous week where I I, I was I was actually loved the wrestling business. I like I thought this is this is for me. I was I was seventeen and I was going through hell at the time. So um I always remember coming back from Clacton 
and we went back to Wolverhampton and Jason took us to this pub and like there was Sandy Scott and myself and we had to get the train back and we had like a couple, couple of hours to spare and we walked into this pub and then coming from like northern Liverpool I'd never saw anything like it it was like it was just like it was like an, a, the red lion in Wolverhampton but it was just like a, loads of sea clads all having a bevy and I'd, I'd never mm. I'd never witnessed anything like it at all and I was like wow. and they were like sound as a pound the next day we got back and we had we had a double show on the Saturday we had um, Teesside Gala which is up in uh, Redcar Middlesbrough or Middlesbrough and um, Scunthorpe was a place called Winterton Winterton Festival and um, what had happened we had a bag called the officials like these were the spanners and like Stanley that's wrenches for anybody from America alright <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay just basically all the tools for, for the yeah just just to let everybody know you, the young guy on the crew was in charge of, you had to put the ring up on all these shows you were in charge of making sure that it was put up properly and, and it was a, and when you think about a ring these were 14 foot rings in these small shows so, even smaller than all so you can put them up and down in you know you can put them up in less than an hour and but the young guy's job was to make sure it was all done correctly that was part of your apprenticeship as a wrestler you had to do whatever was told put the ring up look after the ring carry the old wrestlers bags do fetch polish the, the belts polish, polish the, the belts get the polish the boots go and get the tea the coffee whatever they wanted the sandwiches that was part of your, your two year apprenticeship yeah. uh, and plus getting your head stuck up your backside <laughs> whenever <laughs> it felt like it just to, to see if you had it in, in you to do it right and, and all the other stuff with it but the officials were a the, the, the wrenches or spanners that you had to tighten the bolts with on the and it, you, your job to make sure that they were always looked after and they, they all and they made a you know like a real production out of trying to make your life a misery not to hide them from you or whatever so yeah. you were panicking so that you know it was just look after the, the officials right yeah. So anyway, that's what it is. So the, 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 there was this bag. It was like an old, one of them old 70s bags, the sports bags that mm. you put over your shoulder. The zip was all bust. There was no strap on it. And it was bulging with wrenches and spanners and nuts and bolts and Stanley knives. And there was a big old bell. And it, I, I had to carry this. Plus, I used to wrestle as Ben Truman, oh, King yeah, of Beers. Yeah, 1666. Yeah, Ben Truman used to sponsor the wrestling at Butlins when I, I first, the first time I ever actually saw Robbie. When I was 15, I was already wrestling a bit at the Pleasure Beach, yeah. just just hanging about there and doing the the, the stuff and the challenging and that. The, when I was a kid, I, and I ended up going to Minehead Butlins for a week. Um, with oh no, you didn't. Oh yes, I did. <laughs> um, with with my mum, and and uh, because I had to go, I used to have to go and stay with me. My real mum had left when I was young, but I had to go and stay with her so many weeks a year. And uh, she took me to Minehead Butlins, and I remember I was sat in the ballroom watching him put the ring up, which was Robbie, and then watching him sweep. And I was desperate to go up to him and say, "Look, I'm learning to be a wrestler, but I was too embarrassed, you know, because yeah. I thought he'd just like." tell me to get stuffed you know because he seemed like a lot older he was 
he's only two years older than me, but I felt like a little kid, and he seemed like... He you do, when you're a teenager, you yeah. do feel like and he was yeah. like a wrestler, but I remember seeing him. I, I was, was old, and I was going through it then. Yeah, and I, I, I aged three years in, in a week. <laughs> but I, I, I sat at the back, and I was just watching him, and I watched him put the ring up, and then I watched him wrestle, and, and, and that other... But I remember him coming out, was because Ben Truman, the beer, sponsored the wrestling. Right. So he used to have to come out dressed as Ben Truman with a <laughs> I, Wayman, I Wayman's hat on. What else did you like, a cape or like, something? Like a Brentford nylon like, um, house, house coat. Like, like a, 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 a 16, I used to have to give give the badges to the kids. I'd come out to, like, you know, and uh, I'm going off the sub. Um, Tom Robinson had a, had a big hit at the time called War Baby. Mm. So Brian Dixon, I, I don't know if it was the time you were there. No, it wasn't. No, I don't remember so, this. <laughs> so, so Brian's driving one day and he said, because I was forever questioned about my sexuality by, by all the boys. So you, t- you told me this just, a, but just about when you were in Liverpool, just because you wanted to be a wrestler. You were saying that yeah. that was up, used to happen to you when you were a kid anyway. Well, just uh, like every time, like you'd be, you would be, go and get out over there. Oh, sorry. Go and get air over there. <laughs> give, give it, give it, give the thing away. And if you didn't, then you were you, you battered on the other team kind yeah. of thing. And at the time, it was it was vital that you you had to be one of the. I just wanted to be one of the boys. I just wanted to be accepted. And because um, it, it's weird that it's because wrestling is still probably less so now, but back then a very masculine industry. Totally. When you consider totally. when you consider what it is. <laughs> Well, the, 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 the showmanship association. There were people around that were um, openly open about the sexuality and whatever else. Um, but I wasn't one. <laughs> you know, I, I battered the stand, that, and and it just wanted to be. Uh, uh, you concentrate more on on being <coughs> trying to be one of the lads, yeah, and and being accepted. You just wanted to be part of the state. Yeah, people don't understand that. It, it, this may come across as bad to a lot of these older fellas, and it's not because the way the job that was the way it was protected then you know there was no such thing as a wrestling school till ten years after we were already wrestling yeah you very rarely you could get you couldn't get into this job mm. unless you were an amateur wrestler, which wasn't happening there was none where I lived. Mm. Or you went to Blackpool and you hung around at the Pleasure Beach and Bobby Barron was kind enough to... Even that. Even, even that even was harder because you got... Oh, yeah, I mean, you, it's not, not easy. No. You, you took in and you got hammered. But it was hard to get in, unless your dad was in the wrestling or whatever, it was hard to get in. So you had all these older wrestlers from when you... I never had any problems when I was 15. Mm. When I was 15 and just going there, I was fine because I was just a kid hanging around at the... At the the wrestling and doing little bits of stuff with them and getting little bits of matches and stuff. Yeah. When I was 16 and I moved to Blackpool, all of a sudden, because Bobby Barron was, first of all, a lovely fella and would give you an apprentice. You got you right, you want to come on as an apprentice. Yeah. But also, I mean, at the end of the day, you were cheap. Mm. You were getting five pounds a day or five pounds a job. You were taking one of the... Th- because we only needed a small crew, you were taking one of their jobs. Yeah. So they used to hammer you to, to make sure that you didn't come back. Yeah. They didn't want you in this business, these older wrestlers. And they used to... We, we tell people all the time, you ever want to see what, what the kind of thing that people went through? There's a match on YouTube, watch Mike Bennett against Danny Boy Collins, 
and you can watch it and watch the kind of thing that happened mm. on a daily basis to him and you know it and it's what 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 happened you know mm. what i mean it was so let, let, let me just because I, I i went off yeah in seaside got, so we, i left the officials in jason's car uh, out right. in, in this pub and they said leave it in jason's car somebody scott i mean bugger yeah he, he, he's orchestrated this in hindsight so he let he, i left the officials in Jason's car. So the next morning, Brian comes out the uh, the, the tunnel, Mitzi's in the front, Sandy's got Busty Keegan, and he comes out and he, he winds the window down. And they've been telling me about Mike Bennett for weeks and like how destruct, destructive he is. Oh, you hadn't met him yet? I know. All right. No. So, and I, I was proper bricking it because there were people. You, you, you were in a dressing room and you knew that if you were on with them, it wasn't going to be pretty. No. It wasn't going to be, uh, yeah. you know, and you... you can, can, and I, can you just hold that thought? I just, what I was trying to say was, if you look back at what they were doing to 16-year-old kids, which was what we were, yeah. it's bordering on child, child abuse, you yeah. know what I mean? If you did that yeah. nowadays, you, there'd be people putting you in jail for it. Yeah. They used to hammer you, and, yeah. and mental torture as the, well. The mental, the mental stuff. The mental torture, I can, I can yeah. take a kick and I can take a and stretch. I, and and I don't look bad on any of them for doing it, because I understood what it was at the Absolutely. time. You had to earn your spot in this yeah. job, because they all had to. Yeah. They'd all gone through yeah. it, so it was a different day and age. People don't understand that now, so sorry, that was always just... So, I, we go to... T- like, Brian comes out the Mersey Tunnel, and he goes, Where's the officials? And I'm like... And I got me bag out, it was like back, the back of the St George's Hall in Liverpool. He went, It's Mike Bennett for you next week. And I went, Oh no. And they'd been, <laughs> they'd been telling me about this fella. Now, I'd, I'd watched Mike Bennett at the stadium, and I just remember he, he, he's one of them people who could cause a riot in a phone box. He was, yeah, he, he, he was, was brilliant. Start he slow, was brilliant start one, slow, yeah. start slow. And he, he was, he would absolutely. Tantalise people's heads. Yeah. So and, and he went, and not only that, Terry Jowett, which is like, it's like the, the two dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, <laughs> the pair of them like that. Just and I didn't sleep all that. And to make matters worse, we do we done the second show. It was like a carnival, and someone put itching powder in me in me bills. So I'm, and I'm and ladies and gentlemen, Bills are underwear. Bill Grundy's yeah. <laughs> who, who interviewed the Sex Pistols and got ad off. But anyway, <coughs> Bill Grundy's undies, undies, underpants. I was the thing is I was watching you. I was watching you explaining slang yesterday to Americans, it's which is one of my favourite. It's not easy. It's one of my favourite <laughs> things to watch you do. So coming just as a side note, I was, we were coming back from Scunthorpe on the M62, and I'm in the back seat. The backpack, the pe- what they used to call the perch yeah. in Brian's car, which is the two seats on yeah, the seven, seven seat of Citroen, yeah. But yeah. they're made for kids. Or when, oh, I know the seats. When you take a poodle <laughs> for a walk or something yeah. like that. Well, Brian used to get three of us in the back of that. Oh, God. God. I mean, it, it, it sounds like slave labour. <laughs> and, and so I, I had this itching powder in my bills, and I had Mike Flash Jordan on one side, who I, I totally respected. And the master of a thousand olds, Johnny Saints, on the other side, and I was like, that. I was anyway. The following week, and this is going back to the six matches in a day. We used to do Patelli on, on a Monday, and then go up to uh, 
and then do air, and then we'd go down to Filey, and we'd, we'd, we'd do fi- um, Primrose Valley. We'd put the ring up at Butlins, I'd have breakfast, put the ring up, go to Primrose Valley, do that, and then for some absolutely insanic region, uh, reason, Brian put a four-man knockout tournament at Butlins and at Scarborough Grand Hotel. So I was on first with Terry Jallet, and then I went on, went on, won that, and then go on with Mike Bennett in the in the final. So I'd done six matches, but I'd never worked with Mike Bennett. So I, we we done the Monday Patelli, and I was like doing my best to try and talk to him, and that's why because Mike Bennett had like this like like twitch kind of thing, or like in the, in the, <coughs> he, <coughs> he took, and he couldn't sound his R's, so he's Brookside. Wobby Brookside, I've heard a lot about you. I can't do a Bradford accent, obviously. But and, and but he never spoke to me for like three days. Yeah. I was I was sat next to him in a car. I put a ring up with him. I like I had, I had me breakfast, me dinner, me lunch, and me dinner with him. Never said a word. And then on the, on the morning of Butlins, he went out and bought me an ice cream. And went, gave me an ice cream. He went, you're gonna need that today. And um, <laughs> what what Dan just said there about the, the Danny Collins, but when that happened, I remember like everyone was going, "It's a bloody liberty." I've been having that for three years, <laughs> and, and and it is is the mad thing about about that day. I'll never forget this as long as I've got a hole in my kiver. I so you had to do three rings. I went on with Jowett, who didn't give you a sausage; he just give you the, the fall at the end, you know, like. Proper bury into the in, yeah. not not into the mat into the into the the, the wood into the floor underneath. This is a something else. Unless you were from that time, people were only used to what they were saw on TV. Yeah, on, which was world of sport. They didn't expect a lot, mm. so there wasn't a lot happened in a lot of the matches. Sure, but when you were on the receiving end <laughs> of these fellas. Tying you up in knots and not a lot. People sat there and watched it because they just understood sure. that was part of wrestling, right? Mm. But you were dying a thousand deaths, not only, you know, like, and, and really getting put through it in many ways. So when people think, well, you say, well, we didn't give you anything, they didn't give you anything. Yeah. But fans were used to watching, if you go back and watch World of Sport, like entire shows now, there was one more of a an entertainment flashy match and it was more you know with more villainy in but then there was a lot of just very straight wrestling matches mm-hmm. where not a lot happened and it was to give the job credibility sure it was to give the the, the the sport of pro wrestling credibility so people were used to seeing that kind of stuff they don't realise you're getting your head stuck up your backside and, and, and not getting nothing so when he says that that's why people it's hard for them to imagine what that was when you say there's didn't get anything. You didn't get anything. Yeah. We just tied up on the floor and like, getting getting your breath knocked out of you and like dragged about and not a lot happening. But people, that was normal wrestling at the time. Yeah. Right? There must have been a point when when you two, because if you hit it off straight away and then you the, the more I suppose the more regularly you guys were together, if you were you would have been and your respective crews when when you started working and you weren't working together, I presume you would have both been the youngest, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But like for me, like when, when I met, met when I met Darren, it was he was al- he was always respectful. He was yeah. always courteous and and friendly. And um, some of the some of the young lads who, who who came through were like you know a little bit 
But it's, I think it's like that now still, isn't it? Yeah, like well, you, I, it, it is. It is like, for, for me, for, for what I went through, mm. um, I've just got to admit that um, yeah. the, the, the night, the, the, the bits that were left in me after Jallet and Bennett had uh, served the cause, we went to... Um, we went to Skegness that night after, so we, we put the ring down back in the, the cellar in the Scarborough Hotel. <clears throat> and Brian used to have this little Datsun, and uh, it had two curved seats at the back, mm. and the, the bit the, the the bit for your hands was my seat. Yeah. The, the bit for your <laughs> arms. So you were like, I'm, I'm doing doing a hunched kind of. Um, so no seat belt or anything because it's not a seat. No. Yeah. And I and I'd be. I'd, and I was exhausted. <clears throat> I was in pain, <clears throat> and um, you know, I was seventeen, and I, I, I'd gone to like we'd probably gone about three miles outside of Scar- Scarborough, on route to Skegness, <clears throat> and the next thing, I obviously felt falling asleep with my mouth open, and they got WD forty and sprayed me, sprayed the back of my throat, and I, 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 I proper. Like I, ne- I nearly vomited, like, but and uh, the expression "one sleeps, we all sleep," you know, and like, and I had to apologise, and it was, it, you know, it was it was a hard one because yeah. I was exhausted and I was I was proper proper hurt and mm. in pain, like me back, me the coccyx bones and and me me neck was was killing because Mike had stretched me four times. <laughs> 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 Once, twice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, in hindsight, that experience—not that was just a Wednesday. Yeah, you know, I was just, <laughs> just a Wednesday. <laughs> you know, we had we had more shows and more fish to fry. But I, I never look back at that that experience because I would, you know, you probably hear this a few times in this conversation. I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for that. Yeah. And also, it it, it, it helped me. You know, because with Mike Bennett, I was very shy and timid, with you know, to start with mm. in wrestling, um, because you were too scared to take things. Yeah. But with him, after about a month of being on with him, it was a case of like, well, I'm gonna have to take it here, and and, <coughs> and I learned to to snatch things, mm. and I learned, you know, when you take a leg, when you when you do a single leg, you. you it's not, it's not a tease answer or anything like that. You've got to freaking get it, yeah. you know. And he helped me in in an indirect way of, of learning how to do, how to snatch things and and the fact that we're talking about you know we we play Terry Taylor's a, a, a fellow coach and a hell of a fella back in Orlando and I played that to Mike um, I played Mike Bennett and because I, I just I thought. I wonder if there's any stuff in Mike Bennett because we, we don't have any videos of yeah. like early. We've got a couple of like grainy mm. footage. <laughs> black and, there's even the black and white one of you, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically. There were hundreds of matches that me and you had against each other and there were some pretty, you know, we sort of set a standard at that time for mm. quality like yeah. I remember you saying the, the yeah. last time I interviewed you, you guys would really go for it because yeah. you had the opportunity to. And, and we, you know, we sort of, we, we, we we did some incredible stuff together, you know, and that's, I don't usually say a lot about this. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's funny because we're going to Brighton today. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. And my, still my favourite match of all time was June, I think it's June the 6th, 1990 against Robbie in Brighton. Mm. And we got a first time ever, that you'd never heard of this stuff in those days. Me and him wrestled each other and there was a lot of old wrestlers in there and we got a standing ovation for a, for a competitive wrestling match and I mean a proper standing mm-hmm. ovation. It, it was, um, but anyway, all these matches that mean there's only one survives and it's it's probably the worst one we ever had. <laughs> it was left at home one And, and I, I'd been at, for whatever reason, I'd got to my parents' house. Was it, was it Leicester? No, it was um, the black and white one, I think, is Bristol. Wherever it was, I'd been to my parents' house on the afternoon mm. and I'd gone out with my cousin and we ended up, he said, let's have something to eat. So we had a load of food and then I got back to my me, mum, me you know, my me, me stepmom had, had done me like steak and chips or something like that. And then I went and like, I, I was just like, all stuffed him out. I think we had to go on first or something instead. I remember, I just remember being not like, oh, oh. And we had like a usual six, five minute round match, you know. And it was just wasn't, to me it wasn't. I remember it not being the, the kind of, st- as good as we used to be. Were you in America then? No, no, it was years before. I remember we done, we used to do um, American air bases. Oh yeah. And uh, they were particularly hard. Yeah. Like, like just all these American... That was like the, the American air bases in England, right? Yeah. You, so I suppose you're doing you're doing a more British style of wrestling in front of Americans yeah. who were used to a different style. Yeah. Well, they, it was just paid entertainment for them, you yeah. know. So we used to go and they, and they just couldn't care less about all the other stuff. Mm. And we got and that's we me and him used to wrestle each other, and they within half a round of the first round they'd start watching. By round two and three, they were throwing money on the table, betting on each other who was going to win, <laughs> and that was like really the some of the proudest things we ever that was did. The only, the only time, I, I, yeah. all the times I did, I did it, did the camp, um, the, the those camps. That what, was happened the only, that? what happened to that? What happened to that? 
that, that girl you were knocking off that used oh, to be the over the head of that shoe. That was the nice. That was yeah, the, uh, she had a she had a right old Kitty. sports car. Yeah, Kitty. She's like a Kitty. 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 <laughs> <laughs> she was like she was like the head of the head of the, the whatever it was. Of yeah, the, she was a sergeant. He was, he was like twenty years old driving around in a Porsche with her or something. <laughs> <laughs> she came to Norwich. She came to Norwich. <laughs> came to Norwich. And like there's like tractors. That's not the city, like, by the way. Yeah, that, no, was the, no. that was the wrestling building. Yeah, we used to wrestle the corn exchange. The corn exchange. We uh, used to wrestle in the cattle market. It smelt of cow pee. Yeah. And, uh, and she turns up and picked me up. I, I felt like the bloody the Duke of Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these, these these like so some of the mad places that Brian used to take. Lynn Lithgow. Uh, yeah. There was a we used to do this Where show. So it was uh, we used to go up to this place and it was a rotary club mm. do. And they wanted strippers and a and a, and a, and a blue comic on, but they had for wrestling for some they had no interest whatsoever. <laughs> but again, me and him have gone on there and had them throwing money, betting betting who was gonna win, throwing wads of cash on the table. Because yeah, yeah. we, we just used to be able to draw people in. And you're giving people such a competitive competitive match, match yeah. that they just didn't know. And, and, and in those days yeah. as well, I, I always describe like a, a, a wrestling match because people don't don't really want to watch, you know. Especially too young, like I mean, if there's, if there's loads of cougars in the in the audience and whatever else, then maybe, but not fellas. <clears throat> fellas, you've got like a, a, a chain of hotels and, yeah. and whatever else, and you have to go through the first round, and you have to be committed to what you're doing, to and you have to doing, believe yeah. in what you're doing, and once you get through the first round, it's almost like going through like a mini desert, mm. but there will be an oasis if you if you if you, you you're both strict and you both understand what you're doing. And you both work together because yeah. that's you know, and um, and the, a wrestling match is is a lost art. Mm. You know, there's there's nobody now that can. Well, I, I don't say nobody, but um, and it really serves a purpose on on any bill, yeah, on any card. It was that thing of there was always one of those matches on on a British bill in those mm. days mm. to give credibility to everything else. Yeah. And and the, they would even say like, okay, well, we know this isn't, and people, we know this isn't going to be the most exciting of things, but it will give credibility. But yeah. we got to a point where we were like getting major like reactions from doing mm. them they were, when you weren't expected because we both had the same mentality of going out and like making this look as as good as possible and like. Chasing like you know, I'd chase after his leg, and he'd chase after my arm, and it'd just be, it, 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 you know, backwards and forwards and, and and up and down. So we, we sort of anyway, we we're getting off the point a lot here because we we should be talking about the two of us as a, as what we were, right? No, but can, can I, I yeah. just want to want to say something there for people who who have never wrestled before or, or and listen to this and whatever else. It's a mad thing, like I, I remember. Obviously, when we started wrestling and we, and we we had it we had it off all over the all over Britain, but like he was with Chris and and like he'd get up in the morning and go to the gym. I I lived with Ma and I I you know get up go to the gym do our thing. He'd come from Blackpool, I come from Liverpool. We get in the car, we go to wherever, mm. and we're just Darren and Robbie. And we get to a show and you put your gear on. You warm up, you get in, and all of a sudden, once you once you step into that ring, 
it's another world. Mm. Yeah, and it's 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 a place that yeah you, you you do miss it now. You know, I, I you know I'm, I'd be lying if I said that I, you know I, I I do I do miss and I look at and I think I'd love to go on with him and I'd love to, but you have to say it, that's gone. But at this moment in in my life when I when I stepped in the ring. No one could touch it, touch me, and no one could touch him. We'd go in the ring, mm. and it was a very, very special place. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have video evidence of this. Um, You've still got that match. When you go home this week, there's that match. We had an hour match at the power plant yeah. uh, in, well, in front I've, of just I've the trainers. The, um, the Paul Douglas, okay. the lad from Hull. Um, the, we, yeah. we, we, he came over to America at one point to, to film some stuff for that video diaries. Yes, thing he did. did. Yeah, the so, we could, right. so we were at the original power plant in in Atlanta. We went down. It was God. It was red hot, wasn't it? <laughs> and we just started, and we ended up doing an out. We had, an, I think, DDP was refereeing. He, right? he stopped the match and said, hey, "Can I, can I get?" We, we were speaking about that. Didn't yeah. we? And uh, I, I, I had access, and he said, "Do you remember that match you done with with that?" And uh, it, he was always. Lovely, like, yeah, um, yeah. Dallas was always a like, have you met him? Lovely, 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 lovely yeah. fellow. Yeah. He got yeah. in the ring, but you, you said to me, like, because when you first went, like, we, we were still in touch and whatever, and he said, he phoned me up, he said, It's not what I thought it'd be, you know, it's funny, it's like, I can't work it out, but he did, yeah, and and uh, he went like that, he went, well, so I, I, I got this video diary thing, Brian. She went, there, there you go, <laughs> have that. And then basically just dumped it all of a sudden. Yeah. And at the time, he was always, it was always his, his thing to go to America, Darren, you yeah. know. My, my dream was to get wrestling back on TV. Yeah. That was like, it, 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 the, the day he came off, we were in Victoria, and Rocco went and, went and bought the papers, and he came back, he said, well, that's it, we're done. I, a little bit of my heart broke that day, so it was always my that was my thing. So when when we done the video diaries, um, there's a guy called Bob Tolpert at the BBC. I mean, he was the producer, and so he he was like he was really good. He he, he used to come down, and I, at the time I was living in Kent, and like Darren had gone there, so he he, he went like that. Well, you know, should we go out and look at what Darren's doing? And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah. So they they paid for me to go out and. So when I went out to stay, stay with Darren and, and saw the boys, you know, with Chris and whatever else, and um, he went, let's go to the power plant. Let's show them. Let's show them what they what the rest. <laughs> so we, we, we just started wrestling, and he went, put an hour, put an hour on the clock. <laughs> 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 he never liked me, ever, ever since the Carly Grant. <laughs> I knew then that was the moment, but I thought, oh, yeah, here we go. And, um, and we just... I mean, we didn't call anything, mm. you know. We didn't, you know, sit down. <coughs> and we we have this. Can we come from a an era when when it was wrestling? Mm. There was no. It was just wrestling. You got in the ring and you worked and you wrestled. So like, uh, there's a lot of expressions for wrestling now, like the like chain and all this garbage. You know, it's we we we, we wrestling is <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. And, <laughs> So we got in the rings, and there was like three rings in the power plant, and they were doing things with dolls and dummies and stuff like that. And, and uh, Blackjack was there as well. Blackjack Mulligan, that's the show. Yeah, yeah, I see. And um, and uh, all of a sudden, 
like everyone stopped and then they were all around the ring and I remember the last kind of the, and, and this is where you get people when you do a wrestling match last 10 minutes people were like come on come on come on come on Regal come on Brookside <laughs> and, and, and these, are, these are the people that are employed yeah. by WCW as the, the next generation of wrestling and um, I think with 20 minutes to go Dallas got in the ring and said can I, can I referee this Mm. And uh, I mean, we were proper both spent at the end of it. Like, we were proper. You would be an hour. Cream crack. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was hot. Yeah. You know, there was no ventilation or anything like that. Um, and that was, you know, I, it is on video somewhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, need to, you need to get it and. No, actually, thinking about it, it might be a right load of old cobblers. <laughs> <laughs> you speak for yourself. <laughs> is, is that the last? Is that the last time you would have wrestled each other? No. We actually, <laughs> right, so this is a, so Robbie, <laughs> so in 2000, I was at, I went back to the WWE. Yes. And I got sent to Memphis. There is a, a myth out there that I had a match um, with Chris at the Brian Pillman show that got me back to the WWE. That is not the truth. I was already employed by the WWE. I was at, in Memphis um, for Still six a very months. good match, by the way. Yeah. Um, six months. Um, Jim Ross had said, you'll go there for six months and then you'll start on the main roster as long as there's no problems. I was there exactly six months and then started on the main roster. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that that match caused that, they, they seem to forget that they were seeing all my stuff from the TV show in Memphis and everything. But it's become somewhat of a myth. Anyway, Robbie came over because he was he was going to somewhere, he was going to Japan. No, there was no, there was no tournaments in in uh, in Germany. The, 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 okay, the, and you called and said, "Well, come over." Right, that was it. Yeah. Come over and, uh, um, you know, he's never promised me anything. Mm. You know, like our our friendship is the, is the most important thing. He's never he's he's helped me like no other. You know, mm. um, and again, the reason why I'm sat here now <laughs> is because of him, um, and like. We went to Memphis, and I remember we stayed in Terry Golden's, and we, we shared a double bed. We took, we, we top and tail, top and, tail. Yeah. and we listened to the Governor's Life Story every yeah, night yeah. on 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 the the the, 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 the audio book. And anyway, before I'm going to have to. <laughs> so one day we were in Memphis, <coughs> and it ended up us having a match anyway. The, yeah. the, we, we, there's. There's some, there's some great footage from there to tell you we could do again. Never that. saw any of that. Well, no, no, but there's like Daniel Bryan, Spanky, you know, the Reckless Youth was there and all. There was a hell of a Lance, crew there. Oh, poor Lance. Yeah, there were, yeah and Lance, and, and there was like a hell of a crew there, you know, and we were doing some really good stuff. But we did a show at Dixieland. Dixieland, how, how bad's that? <laughs> They're like the amusement park there yeah. in, in, in Memphis, which by the Coliseum. And we did a show there. And it was outside. It was three, red done, up. I think we done three, three days. Yeah, three, something like that. Or three shows. One day we we wrestled each other yeah. there, right? And that was the last time we would have wrestled each other. Mm. But anyway, so we're, we're in Memphis one day, and I I said, "Well, we're both here. We got a day off." Oh. <laughs> so we <laughs> said, "We've got we've got to go to Graceland's, right?" You know. So we, we go to. And we don't realise it's it's Elvis week. It's the it's the anniversary of when he passed away, right? right. 
So we get there and it's packed. Right? <laughs> it's packed. So it was, they give you a little, it was a Walkman at the time with yeah. the taping and the headphones and walking around and it's Priscilla Presley's voice going, well, this is the room. And, you know, when you get inside, it's a bit, it's a bit suspect, isn't it? It's like really dodgy. Everything's not what you think it's going to be in there. It's all a bit, a bit like, ooh, it's all a bit tacky and everything. Yeah. But she's going, oh, and we were walking from room to room and we're just laughing because Priscilla Presley's talking in her ears going, well, this is the room where Elvis and he, oh, he was, she, she was doing it like that. We well, was funny. He used to stay in here for, he was in here for six months once and never come out and we're like, you know, like, so, as if it was, that was normal, you know. And then you walk through the kitchen and, oh, and obviously loved his food. For six months we had the exact same meals every day, meatloaf and potatoes and grits. Oh, it was funny and I'm thinking, and we were both look, like picking one ear off with the thing looking at, so I bet she's thinking that leading lunatic you know so we're having a running commentary just like killing making ourselves laugh walking through so we get outside and the grave's there and it's just covered in flowers and there's all these people there and they're all upset and like because we you know it's the big week for them so we walk up and it's, it's you know it's very sad you know you're looking at it and it's a big deal right so we're both looking at this this grave and all of a sudden this young fellow who's dressed like Elvis but young Elvis mm. He's got the tight jeans on and the shirt and the cigarettes in the, in the up his sleeve in his short thing and the quiff and everything. He walks in front of us, drops to his knees and goes, just, and I went, <laughs> just started laughing like just. I just and he just run off and left I, me. I was in the stables. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, there was all these old women and, and this, they all just turned around and like. Looked at me like I just dropped out of a dog's backside, you know, like they were just staring holes through me, and I was like, and I looked and he'd run away. He just left me. So <laughs> they were all like just glaring at me, and, I, and I, I'm still laughing because I'm like, and this fella's like bawling, tears, like he's, oh. So we get, we go, we better get out of here because they were all like, there's like, there's going to be a mob come after us or something, all these old ladies and that. So we, we, get, we get out of the gates. And we go across the street, there's like a big marquee, like a big tent, yeah. and we go in, and there's all these chairs sitting on, there's about six people in, and there's an Elvis impersonator on the stage, like the big fat Elvis though, right, yeah. and, he's got, and he's singing away to a, he's got his karaoke machine on, Now there's about four people at the front, obviously his family, and then there's <laughs> me and him sat at the back. And then another two, then there's another fella dressed as Elvis, fat Elvis, with a jumpsuit, and his wife sat next to him, like in, in the end. And so we're just sat there like, this can't be happening, you know, this is, it's all a bit <laughs> sad, you know. So this fella's gone, no, he's finished his song and he, he won't very good anyway, you know. Obviously the good people go on at night. Yeah. This is where they did all the Elvis impersonations all week. And this fella said, uh, actually, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and he's trying to turn his tape over because it was in the days yeah. of tapes. And he can't get it in. So he's like, and he's, so he's got to fill some time now, right, in between songs and, well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not actually from Memphis. I'm uh, from Paducah, Kentucky. You know Paducah? That's what it sounds like when you eat too much Paducah. And I went, again, I went, oh! It's like, did the, the, like the worst phony store laughing. And he just got up and left me again, just buggered off and left me. Sat there. I'll take him anywhere. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we bailed off out of that. Anyway, though that was the last time we ever wrestled each other was in, in Memphis. Um, I've got to say this. We were talking about being on the... We get back to the beginning, right? Because yeah. we keep going off in these tangents. 
So we did this week together. Then we did this other week together. And um, it was at the t- right at that same time period is when I started working for Joint Promotions. Mm. Um, Big Daddy's Brothers uh, yeah. firm. Robbie worked for Brian Dix and I worked for them for, for a few months and then and quit. We talked about that before. Yeah, yeah, I, you yeah. know, like I, I got put in the Big Daddy tags and I thought, now I had some hope because of what, what, what Marty Jones had told me and what Robbie had showed me that was a possibility that I could actually do. Yeah. That was just a few weeks wrestling in would give me a complete different outlook on this yeah. business. So I owe him everything, really, because if I hadn't have had that, I don't know where I'd have got to, you know. Yeah. So it was like, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel here. But then, oh, well, I, I want to be one of them international wrestlers that travels to Germany. And it was all sort of coming up. Mm. But I got put in the big daddy tags, and it was, I'm never going to get any better now, because all I'm going to do is get beaten up and do the selling and then tag daddy in. Yeah. And everybody thought that's a great spot to have, but I wasn't. Now I'd seen that I could actually yeah. learn this wrestling stuff that I'd been being taught and not being able to do. Mm. So I ended up quitting and going to work for Brian Dixon, which was November of 1986. I know Robbie had already talked to him. Frank Cullen... I remember the Tolborough bus station. Yeah, right. because I stayed at your house yeah. That, that, that yeah. last night, and I, and I said, you were talking about being in the daddy tags, and I said... Yeah. Go and work for Brian because you work yeah. for different people. You work with different, different people, people. Yeah. every night, and you're only going to get better. Yeah, yeah. You're and, get better. and you, work, you work with Steve <clears throat> Ray one night, and Dave Taylor or Terry Rudge or Pete Roberts, yeah. Yeah. Johnny Saint, yeah. you know, and and you, you and you're just around all them fellas because they weren't that them kind of fellas weren't working for joint promotions and anymore. Even, and even being around people makes you absorb makes the you absorb the knowledge, and yeah. that's what I wanted, right? So. I'd, I'd, I'd spoke to Frank Cullen at Blackpool Tower one night and he said, well, call Brian tomorrow, I'll talk to him. Robbie had already talked to him for me. I called Brian up and, and like I've told you that story, you're mental, you know, you're, yeah. on, you're already in, on TV. Been, what, what do you want to... I said, because I want to get better. And, and like, whatever anybody wants to say about Brian, I've got not a bad word about, about him because he said to me, I promise you, I'll put you on with somebody better than you every night. Yeah. And he always did. And and I and from the, my first night with him was at Cheltenham. You were there, and and Liger was there. It was when he was flying Fuji Yamada. Yeah. And, and and I was on with uh, Rocky Moran the first night, and then within I, I honestly don't know when it happened, but within a, an incredibly short period of time, he put me together with you as a tag. So that's when we became a tag team as the Golden Boys. Because I'm not number one golden boy. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> he did have another partner that he... That, oh, here we go. No, no, but he did know. <laughs> the original golden boys was, was Robbie Brookside and Wayne Martin. No, we were the young ones. Oh, you were the young yes. ones. <laughs> and there was another fella called Barnacle Bill. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a good young one name, isn't it? No, he was riddled in it with acne. So oh, I, right. I, I, I like strong <laughs> <laughs> These people get in the job. Like, he was one of Blondie Barrett's lads, and he was covered. And at the time, and um, I might put some people off here, but like the the, the heel team used to take a a fall on him. So he'd be like 
laying gay abandon, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> and be popping all these like blackheads on the, on his back, and, like like proper big black, and like curly whirlies and all. Like, oh, oh god, it, it was it, it, like so. I tagged with him for about a month, but he he was he wasn't very good. I can say because he's, he's a footnote in history, isn't he? And, yeah. and then Wayne Martin Wayne, and all Wayne one. Martin was the. Did you chin him or something once? Yeah, so yeah. we were. The, I beat <laughs> End him of up. team. I beat him up. Yeah, no, he, he, um, we were in Hastings at the White Rock Theatre. And uh, we. Uh, <laughs> and so some of the people, some of my peers who, who I look up to, even to this day, um, John, John Cortez and Keith Haywood. And we were at the back, of what, and Terry Rudge was in the ring, mm. and Wayne Martin was had, had like some older woman. I think he married her actually. Um, I, 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 anyway, so Wayne had, had probably four years in the job, and he thought he was a you know veteran status and whatever else. Yeah. And he's talking to his future wife, and he went, "Look at this owl, such and such for Terry Rudge." So Cortez, who was of course tremendous, was tremendously respected. Oh, I mean. Uh, there's no superlatives that when we talk about Terry Rudge, I mean the fellow was it's, even now. I was a lot better mm. person and wrestler for, for knowing them and going yeah. on with them. But to to say that about you know in front of people, mm. so they came in and they said, "Look, it's on it's on you now. You got it. I was on with them that night at these things." So I, I, he never came back in the job anyway. Yeah. So you know that that was uh, bestowed on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And um, so yeah, so I, I was. We got put together as a team, and then yeah, so I, it was, I mean, it was pretty short order after that, and we were. So I was either tagging with Robbie, I was either wrestling Robbie, yeah, uh, <laughs> or I was wrestling whoever else yeah. which was great you know and, and that was the difference maker in my career yeah. was just being around him and, and being around the right people and it's all timing you know at the end of the day it was being born at the right time that we both came in this job at the right time when there was the the older wrestlers that could teach you how to do this in a different skill level yeah. to a lot we were very lucky for, very for that, for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to see three of them tonight yeah, uh, like Mal Sanders and Steve Gray and, and Lee Bronson are coming to the show. Oh, too. brilliant. But, you know, like just being around these fellas that were full-time old pros that yeah. knew every trick in the book and just being around them and watching them. And so we, we were the last of that sort of people that yeah. ever came along that got to do that. And it's just time. It's no, it's no good going, all these young fellas. No, it's not their fault. Mm. They, they haven't got the... the the cave of, you know that's why we're very open to helping everybody because yeah. it's not their fault. Mm. You can't you can't say well these followed like you get that old wrestler thing. Well, well back in my day, yeah, well it was different then because we got to work six nights a week and everybody that's from the old seems to forget that they weren't very good at one point. Yeah, and they slowly got better because they they wrestled five and six and seven nights a week. Yeah. with better people. Yeah, and so it's very hard for people nowadays, you know. But anyway, we got put together and we we were basically doing a stuff. The following year, 87, um, that was my first year on the Butlins camps for Brian. Now, basically, for 20 weeks, because that used to be a 20-week run, 
right? So presumably the summer season. The summer yeah. season. Well, now it's six weeks, right? Mm. But 20 straight weeks, would we would pick me up at Preston at the Tickle Trout on a um, Sunday morning. Or Blackpool, Blackpool underneath the, the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, right at the end of the M55, yeah, yeah and on, onto the M6. So, <coughs> excuse me. And we'd go up to air, do a Sunday afternoon show at air, mm-hmm. um, jump straight in the car, drive to Skegness, which was six hours. Oh, it's a long ten, ten hours in a day. Ten hours, ten hours, hours in a day. Oh. So, but the the drive, we, everything was and like it was it was Brian Dixon driving because he refereed. Yeah. Myself, Robbie, Doc Dean, and a another, mm-hmm. and that was the crew. Every week there was a rotating fourth person. Yeah. Uh, which was magic. Most of the time, because there were some great people that came along and added to that. Because they, they just, at those days, Butlins just used to be two matches. Sure. And then we also used to, Brian Dixon, there were always afternoon shows, and then for the Butlins and Brian Dixon used to have, like, when there were all the seaside resorts were running, he used to have, like, what we called town shows, yeah. which were Eastbourne, Clacton, uh, Hastings, Hastings, Worthing. <clears throat> And then he, he also had a spare, like one Celsi, like a caravan park yeah. on a Thursday. That was Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon. <coughs> so um, we used to go up to Skegness, uh, go up to air, drive to Skegness. On that trip to Skegness, every week there was the six-hour drive. There was Barry White's Greatest Hits, <laughs> George Formby's Greatest Hits, um, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. So we, the, these like. <laughs> Sort of, there were sing-alongs. sing-alongs all the way, you know, yeah. and different silly things that we used to do. Get there at like two o'clock in the morning, do the show there in the afternoon, then drive from uh, Skegness on a, a Monday afternoon down to Bognor Regis to do a, a, a town sh- like a, a town show there because it used to run Bognor. Mm-hmm. Then go across and stay at Bognor Regis Butlins, yep. do the show there Tuesday afternoon. Double back to whatever show we were doing, which would be Worthing or whatever, one of them mm. shows. Go from there, shoot across to Minehead, which was getting to Minehead about five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, get up, the show was always at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, yeah. so, but you'd have to do the <coughs> ring at nine, yeah, wouldn't yeah. you? You'd have your breakfast, which went through you like a Porsche. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> as, as soon as you had the oh. breakfast, oh. like, <coughs> and we used to, I mean, some of the stuff that we used to do. You know, as in-house entertainment. So, and I don't know how it started the the the, the water, <coughs> but yeah. it, like the, for the a and other, the unfortunate person who'd come, like just, they used to go. We put the, we start putting the ring up, and they go, I have to go for a tom, which is a uh, number two for those <laughs> people. I won't, I won't give up the the, the cockney the cock backside. So they'd go to the toilet and Brian would have this like big smirk on his face and he'd go <laughs> <laughs> And the the the, the, the big, big long bars in Putland's big long um the, I forgot what it was Princess Ballroom or whatever it was called. And they'd have like a load of the, the, the pints at the ends with like stale ale and, yeah. and, and such. So we'd all run in, so there'd be four of us and we'd quietly Opened the tap and, and filled like two pint pots each, and we'd all go together. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, two, three, whoosh <laughs> over the top of the toilet. <laughs> so, and we'd done everyone. We'd done ev- everyone. It was like a sort of welcome, welcome to Butland. But, but there was a, 
I mean, I don't. There was a wrestler called Alan Kilby who was deaf, and um, he was. I, I always liked Kilby. He was always. Yeah. Was he, awesome. he, he, um, some people didn't like him, but I, I always, I always got on well, and 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 I was. You had to get stuck into him, kind of thing. It was terrible in a rumble when he wasn't going over because he'd just stay into the end. So you had to get like five of you to get get him. Time for him to go here, lads. Come on, I know you're a heel. Come on, but I don't care. Yeah, come on, do one. So anyway, he goes for a, a, a number two. So Dixon, come on, let's have. And the night before, he'd, he'd gone asleep. He was he was deaf. Fall, he'd fallen asleep with the television on like forty eight. And the security were knocking on the door, and they went to Brian. There was a there was a big big palaver about it and whatever else. <clears throat> and um, Brian went, "Come on and get him." So we all ran in and we all got the cold water and we whoosh, and you just did. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> he came out and he had a pair of like sky blue tracksuit bottoms on. He came out and he was like walking and walking down. So but the stuff that the stuff the, 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 we would like, you t- I turn up at press. Oh, and, and sorry, you do mine, Ed. Yeah. Then you double back and do another thing like uh, Worthing or something, like all the way back to the south, <laughs> and then do Celsi on a, a Thursday afternoon. Then you go up to Patheli, do Patheli. Hang on, I, I think you you go. Celsi uh, to Worthing and Worthing, Worthing to Patheli. Worthing to Patheli. Oh, it's miserable. And getting there at about six o'clock in the morning on a Friday. No, no electric and they had, yeah. they had, they had the, we used to get these shallies with the 50 pence. Oh, yeah. And we were all that, you know, we were, fuck, I'm not putting 50 pence in there. Because 50 pence was a bit more than what it is now. Yeah. There was no sheets on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you... I get, but get there, get up, do the ring. And then I go back to Blackpool that night. I'd do the Pleasure Beach on a Saturday. Yep. And then we'd start again Sunday. And so, two thousand miles, two thousand mile a week like that, and it was. Uh, but anyway, sometimes you'd turn up, and it was always this revolving. We'd mentioned him before, but the dragon Sandy Scott <laughs> was a, a Scottish wrestler who had pretty much retired by then and had a regular job and got married and that. He, he, used moved, to be, to, he moved to like lower North stuff, to, yeah, like, something uh, like that. Be- Beckles. But he used to be a full time. Mm-hmm. They used to call him the king of the camps, right? Because yeah. he, he had. He had it. He did it for years, and he had yeah. it all figured out. And and he was just hysteric, just really, really funny. Like breakfast on the morning, you're all bleary eyed, and there'd be all the, the the families there, you know, the the people staying in the camp. And every morning the same thing, but it was always funny. He'd walk in, and he'd go, "Drum roll, please!" And he'd grab one of the tablecloths with some family sat there. And no, like he was no, gonna, Sandy, no, 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 Sandy, no, don't do it, don't do it. Come on, like he was going to whip the tablecloth. <laughs> People scattering and just stupid. <laughs> One night we get to Bogner Regis, and this is all, all tied into wrestling. We get there, and we hadn't got the show that night for some reason. The, the, what the, 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 the town show wasn't on, so we just went straight to the camp. And we got there, and it was that fella that he was the entertain. He was the when Kendo Nagasaki on Mast in oh, Tony, Smart, Tony Sweet. Tony, yeah. Tony well, I was there. I was I was in the audience as a child watching. Did not that. know that. Yes, with the big was, tattoo on his head. Yes, it yeah. was at Wolverhampton Civic Hall, and that was my local. And I was there when that happened. Right, so we get to the, the and this fella comes over, Tony, and he said to the dragon was there. Sandy Scott and the dragon liked to drink a few. He said that. I, 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 he started telling us about he, he used to do the, he did the thing with Nagasaki. He was one of the he was one of the 
guys that were stood in the corner with the shaved heads yeah. and all that. Well, now he's the entertainment's fella then. I believe you're. A, I believe you can drink a bit and drag it. So I can drink a few. Seven o'clock. This by nine o'clock, this fella who's supposed to be in charge of the the the, the entertainment there in a full bar is the is the manager of this thing. He stood on the bar with his tadger out, dipping it in his own pint of beer, like singing song. You know, like I mean, absolutely blathered this fella. You know, just completely done him in, and. We just thought that that was the kind of stuff that went on on a regular basis, you know. It was yeah. just nuts. Someone to look up to. Someone to look up to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we and that was we sort of we were wrestling each other all the time. We were tagging together all the time, and we did the the infamous uh, the, the the unmasking thing with Nagasaki and that on TV. That was one of the last ever TV shows, really. Wasn't it? It, was, what? it was Brian's last one. Yeah, is this Brian, the is this the, the hypnosis? The hypnosis thing? thing, yeah. He's never got over it. He's never got over it. Huh? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I remember because um, the first time I met Robbie was before I'd, I'd met you, and and I and because you came in when I was a radio presenter in Leicester when you were living in Leicester, and um, I nearly got me fired as I always tell people. You got the yourself. You, you, you brought the, down yourself. Like. The, the, the interview was going to be ten minutes, and we just end up talking for forty minutes because I wanted to know about Germany. Banging on Japan the windows and everything. Hey! <laughs> 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 I'm going away, Bob. But because um, I remember, I because I remember asking you about that then because it it was a, it's a weird thing to have had on telly at the best of times because it's still quite it's dead famous. Like he ate it, right? Mm. No, no. You know, do you know what? I've come to appreciate. It's one of the most it's, memorable it's, things. It's in my not. A, it, mm. I've come to appreciate how much he, how much respect he had for this industry and yeah. and, and for keeping the jobs the way it was and and the mystique that he had. Yeah. And and at the time, I. There was no secret that I didn't really, and I've never really said this before, but me and him didn't get on. Right. For a few reasons. This is Nagasaki, not me. Yeah, yeah. Naga, and we didn't get <laughs> I mean, on. This is a newsflash to Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we didn't get on, and and there's you know, and and a few people that are around at that time know that, and and know that you know, I, I wouldn't put up with any of his nonsense. Because mm. he was, a, I've read things about him, and he was he was a he was an odd odd dude, wasn't he? Right. So, but now that I've come to appreciate. At the time, I didn't, but it didn't take me long to figure out. Once I was away from that, mm. how incredibly dedicated to his craft he is, absolutely. which I think is absolutely now. I think it was absolutely doesn't matter what he is. It, it was fantastic yes. that he still has that mystique to this day. Of course, and people. So the the, the lengths that he would go to to protect the, the image and the the professionalism mm. that he, he showed by doing that is something to be admired. That being said, <laughs> he gives and he takes take, away. Take it away. That that whole thing was just like me being. Luckily, it was me on on the apron and not having to do what he did, and I wouldn't have done it anyway. Was holding me out, out off to, to me out up to, to Robbie for being able to do it, but me, this poor lad sat here looking over at me and me just. And my head buried in me arms. <laughs> the, the, the first time we did it, it was in Ipswich. I can't remember that. The first time we did it, so 
So you did it all, because obviously it's in the televised job, I didn't realise you'd done it more than once. I think it was a run of it. We've done it first time at Ipswich, and then after the thing, I mean, and like, you were going off on your jollies then, but I've had some of the most powerful reactions I ever had. Oh, yeah. He used to do me. Not literally, that'd be hideous. But he used to do me. And, and and take me out in the this is this is as as well as Nagasaki I've got I'm putting myself over here now because I'd, I'd go to the show with Brian mm. so he'd hypnotise me and take me out and get in the car he'd yeah. had Lawrence driving the car I remember one night at Bristol the back the back of the Colston Hall and he threw me into the car and drove off and there was girls screaming like <clears throat> what have you done to him <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd drive me up on the M5 and drop me off at the services. I'd get out and have this like <laughs> pair of Lycra and a thong up with Jacksy. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to walk, walk into the bloody service station, walk into the toilet. Now you can imagine the toilet at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to go in the bog and get changed and then wait for Brian and I wouldn't have. I, I, I'd, I'd wash me. Brian, I, I, I don't know, but I would imagine Brian was in no rush to come and get. Uh, yeah, exactly. Didn't, didn't that was the kebabs and turkey <laughs> fried chicken and all that. And then, like, oh, it, it was um, there was probably about six months of that where it, it wasn't every night, but yeah. you know, some some of the the biggest shows like Crow and yes, yeah, right three. after that, right after we did that thing on TV, was sort of that's when my career took off. Of yeah. Saw us travelling. I, I went to. That that summer, I went to to France on and off for six weeks, and then I went to Germany for the first time to Hamburg that year, uh, and then it, I never looked back for the next four years until I went to America. I was just away all the time, yeah. so you know I, I wasn't involved in any of that. There was just a, a couple of things that I was around, but there was a a bit of a kerfuffle one night with um, I got. Me and Pat Roach, it wasn't you, it was me and Pat Roach at Southampton on with him and we had a bit of a falling out and I, and I, I sort of, you know, I won't go into too much detail, but like, you know, I just, it, I, I, we didn't get on, let's yeah. put it that way, he didn't like me and I didn't like him and I was quite happy to sort it out with him and, and, and it sort of, I think it, it was just, um, and, there was, and the there reason. There was a lot of um, yeah. kerfuffles with with, with, with him. There was but like, I just wouldn't, you know, I, I didn't didn't bother me at all, and I, I'm quite happy to go and, you know, and then there was a few times when it was, let's go out and sort this out, you know. Did some of that come from, you know, with how you were treated when you were 15, 16? Did, I suppose the older you get, the more likely you are to sort of stand up, especially when you, you've got more comfortable and you've had Robbie around you and stuff, like, you're going to be more comfortable. I think a lot of it was around. going to work in nightclubs when I was 17 and just realising... Yeah. What's the worst that can happen to me? Yeah. But also, you've got, you've got to stand up for yourself. Yeah, but, you know, you know like, just what's the worst that can possibly happen to me? Yeah. Uh, you, you beat me up or kill me, I'm not frightened of either, so it's it, it, it's not about... I, I don't care, I don't think I've ever... I, I've never thought I'm anything, anything mm. at all, but I'm just not frightened. Why well, would I beat me up? It's like with him. We've had that many hammerings in this job, what, what's the worst that anybody can do to you? <laughs> when you're 16, you're getting hammered on a regular basis, and, I mean, twice a day sometimes... Yeah. And going off, and and, I, and I, I'll be the first to admit, going off when you're 16, locking yourself in the toilet and crying, and coughing blood up and crying. Mm. 
and thinking, when's this ever going to end, right? I mean, regular basis. Bus stops and train stations. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and just, like, what what, what can anybody do? To, and then getting in, working in the, the club job when I was such a young age and seeing all kinds of horror stuff going on, <laughs> real fights and and people getting all kinds of happening and being around Blackpool and that, well, what's the worst that anybody can do to me? Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not buying into all this. And then there's another tale, this I'm, I'm not going to tell on here, but Robbie knows it of a, uh, something happened in Blackpool with him that, like a lad we know, ended up giving him a bit of a good eye. And once I found that out, I thought, well, he, this fella couldn't fight sleep. So it's not like, I remember, do you remember that? Who was that? The lad at the car, this car thing. There was that mate, you know the one that got blown up? Remember that like mate of Peter's and he, he ended up having a bit of a do with him and, and did him in at his car place in Blackpool. Oh, him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah. same lad. Oh, right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this fella had done him in. I thought you were about me again. No, 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 no. I don't recall this. I, I'm, try, I'm trying not to, I'm being trying to be vague, but that... that a fellow that our friend who we told us about before, Peter, a mate of his, had had a fallout with him and give him a bit of a. And, then, and once I found that out, and I was only eighteen when I found out, it was like all the mystique was gone. Yeah. yeah. And then that that fella got blowed up. Remember? But but Callis, he, this, this, Callis always put, put put him over. Yeah, on, yeah. Callis, on that doc, whatever the doc. Um, yeah, but don't forget these fellas were. I think in his day, I think. Of course, he was. I think yeah. He was like, uh, yeah, but but don't forget, I was a, I was also six foot three and and eighteen stone, and like, I, it's not that I, I'm any good at anything. I'm just not frightened. Of, yeah. Not frightened of anybody. So it, yeah, there comes a time when we butted heads, yeah, and it, it was. Just, you, but you, I have the utmost utmost admiration for the for what he did and 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 the thing. But there was, um, it, it, it just. It, you know, I've seen him once since then. It was nineteen ninety six, because I came back uh, for a few weeks and did a. Brian asked me to do a few shows, and I did Croydon. Yeah, I was on me and you, oh, yeah. and he came in the dressing room. He come to see Marty over something, and we had a nice chat and everything. Yeah. And that it was just at the time. I just what you know. I, I, I don't. From what happened to me and him, I just don't like liberty takers. Mm. And 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 he, and he tried to take a liberty with me once, and I, I stopped it. Kick the bell. Yeah, yeah, and it was like I stopped. It's it. impossible. I'm not an octopus. Yeah, and then, and, and I, I just went, <coughs> no, that's not <coughs> anymore, you know. Yeah. And that was like, oh, everybody was like, oh. Yeah. And Dave Taylor will go into great detail about what, an episode that happened at Cheltenham once, where, like, I, I, but it, anyway, let's forget yeah. about that. Cause I've got, a, I've got a good one in uh, Stockport. Yeah, and it, it the, just, when it kicked off the dock. Yeah, kicked, the dock. kicked, kicked. Yeah, that, uh, it was. Uh, and I, I ended up getting copper for that one because I was like kind of a shop steward at the time, and uh, it 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 got. I don't know. You just get tested sometimes when you for your for your love for this job, mm. and <clears throat> it, it kicked off. Cut the long story short, it, um, he slammed the dock on on the stage, and uh, doctor uh, yeah. yeah, who became the kind of last tag partner, but he, he was. At the time, the doc was, doc could he could go like, but he he was, he wasn't the sharpest on the block. That should be said. Like he grew up had a terrible upbringing, yeah. and so he wasn't scared. Of, you know, he wasn't yeah. frightened of nothing. Yeah. Like he just like, like yeah, again, what can you what? He had, what's the worst that can happen? What could, what's the worst that can yeah. happen to you? And and there was a lot of that went on. Yeah. And we could get to the meet early, doc. 
Well, you know, it's like, and it, it was, it was a lot of things. There was, a, there was a point when it was, I was ready to, have a, and then I looked at him one day and I thought, hang on a minute, I'm 20. He's 45. He can, he's not moving so well. He's got, and I thought it'd be a liberty to. to, to it's give the, him a it's good the opposite has then applied. Yeah, it? and I think yeah. it'd be a liberty to give him a good eye, didn't it? But. I have to like what I've got yeah. to second what you just said there. When when you first work with them and all that, you're in awe of them, um, and towards the latter the latter stages, I have to say, Doc and I kept his career together, mm-hmm. you know, because we we worked for him, yeah, and still be, were able to get to do our stuff. But is the way he went about things, you can't knock, and the way. He, he kept oh, himself absolutely. You know, he was an actually, and still to this day, yeah. I mean, incredible, incredible. Yeah. I have great admiration for that. Um, you know that the mystique that he's kept and to, to keep the strength of the job the way he has. And, do, uh, do you mean he wouldn't take the mask off? And I know, no, like no. The, Me- the Mexican lads have their their kind of thing, but he was one. He was in England, and he'd keep the mask on even. Like people used to get annoyed because he keep he, he, if he if he spoke to you. Which was a rarity for like a, yeah. a lot of people, but it was it was kind of you look at him, and you go, well, yeah, you know, he, he and he taught me a lot about keeping it, you know, the dressing room is is, is, is sacred, yeah. you know, and and he would never be seen. <clears throat> he, he travelled on his own, yeah, and he, he he most of the time he got what he wanted yeah. and whatever else, but you know he he was around for a long time and he was a huge name. Back in the uh, back in the uh, the sixties and the seventies and whatever, but I, t- I took a few leaves out of his book and uh, oh, I, and, and I, me as well yeah. as you know, like for whatever. Can I tell the story I about uh, Clapham, Clapham South Station? You might want to leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> tell me afterwards, mate. Yeah. So, tell me just, just, to, just to let you know, ladies and gentlemen, we've had to have a discussion before we started this. You, you, you may have been expecting far more than you're getting, but we, we decided that we had to leave an incredible amount of, of our life, our life spent together, out to save us both getting either shot or just a lot of trouble anyway, because we, we, we have got up to a lot of things over the years. Um, I'll ask you before before we wind up and, and head off to the show tonight. I'll ask you we could go all day. There'll be a part soon. We've, we've only just we'll scratched the, the surface. Scratching the surface um, yeah. So, a couple of things I want to ask you. First thing is, when you were a tag team, um, who were your favourite opponents to work against as a tag team? So... <coughs> mm, I, there was the Rockers... Hitman Hobbs. Um, there was no real because we we just there was no really established teams, was it at the time? We were just put then it was two other people a lot of the time, mm-hmm. apart from uh Kendo Nagasaki and Blondie Barrett. Yeah. Um so there was no real That's a good question, I don't you know, like I mean we we had we ended up having some really good matches with uh Jimmy and Jimmy Monroe and John Pate, like Dave yeah. Janan, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we ended up having a bit of a run with that. Um, so there were, there we had some... It was always good people, that yeah. was the thing. So there's no real... You can't... It's not like we can say we, we were a, a few... And, and, and be honest with you, as much of a team as we were, and people seem to still 
older fans remember it. We wrestled each other more than we probably ever tagged together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just sure. it just seemed to be if you look at the posters it's always me and him as a team. Yeah. But there was that many other things that we wrestled each other just as much as that, you know. And it's gonna be in the hundreds of times you wrestled each other. Oh it? yeah. Easily. Oh god. Easily. Yeah. Um, don't forget, you know, just talking of that that Butlin's run. Mm. Usually it was me on with Robbie. Mm. Right? So what's that? A minimum of ten shows a week. For twenty weeks, it's <laughs> a lot. Isn't it? And then that's just one. That's just in one season. That's yeah. just in twenty weeks. So maybe if, if, even if you cut it down and just say five times a, a week, which would have been more for twenty weeks. There's hundred matches straight away in the twenty weeks. In one summer season. In one summer season. And we wrestled all over. The all over the, in the winter, all the, the live, you know, all the, the house shows and stuff. That, that going back to the, the you know, as as coming from someone who's uh, played was have been around since the the, the Iron Age you know, like, <laughs> um, you know the, 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 you talk about favourite matches and whatever else and I've never really thought about it I know you like the one in Brighton but we did we did this one I think it was this American air base in, in, in somewhere like is it faking them or some what? I, I, I faking them. We always put it one, thing we, one thing we haven't mentioned. One thing we haven't mentioned was the the fan the fans that we had. We, mm. There was uh, Robbie's wasn't so much my fan as Robbie's number one fan. Right. Is uh, an old drag queen from South End called Ruby Venezuela. Oh, she's she was, lovely. Yeah, she was. That's the truth. <laughs> Robbie's number one fan was a drag queen called Ruby Venezuela. That was a, that was a, that was his his act name anyway. Robert. Robert used to call him Robert. Robert. Oh, Robert. Oh, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we we done this match at, uh, at one of the American air bases, and it always sticks out to me because I'd done I'd done a slew of these matches like before down. Started working for, for for Brian, and uh, they were terrible. And there was one, so we got we got the stand innovation, and uh, it's like like a Tom Cruise film. I got the girl at the end and what, and drove off in this like light ride. I think it was fantastic. But the time before we done one of the and, and like there was a g- generic bill on yeah. on the thing, and I wasn't on the poster, and um, I said, "Do me on with Brian," and it had the young Apollo versus the gay one. And the gay one was a fella called Al Vipond. I'm going to make a note here. You never finish the Tom Robinson story. That will finish oh, this oh, off oh, nicely. Right. Yeah, right. That's how we finish. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, oh, so, so anyway. Anyway, th- yeah. that was probably my favourite match of all time. Yeah. This, um, and, you know. Um, so we're driving in the car. This, this, it would have been 83, I suppose. Uh, 1983. Yeah. And Brian's gone like, all right, Sensational, isn't he, Tom Robinson? I, I believe he's got a song about it. And, and I, I, I should have realised, and I, I did in hindsight, I realised, keep your freaking mouth shut. So he said, he's got a song about being glad to be gay or something, is it? I went, oh yeah, uh, Jeff Wilde's got the EP. Jeff Wilde being the photographer who was a, yeah. a friend. So Brian said, you couldn't get me a, a, a cassette copy of it, could you? That'd be terrific. So it was like an EP. It was like four songs on, t- on uh, two sides of a seven-inch seven vinyl record. So 
the weekend or whatever it was, week or two weeks later, I, I, I'm with Jeff. So I said, have you got that? And he used to have all his, you know, like a big shelf of uh, seven inch records, all like numerical numbers and all in like plastic sleeves. So he puts it out, puts it on, does me a C30, a, a Sony oh, yeah. C30 copy. Glad to be guys on the on the, the, the first song. So I give it to Brian, puts it on the car. Oh, <laughs> starts laughing away to himself. So, <laughs> so we're doing a four-man knockout tournament at Minehead. We we done. I think we used to do Barry Island on. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows what's going to happen. So, so we've done Barry Ireland. So again, you're getting work because he didn't do it instantly. You don't want to think about it. Yeah. It's very subtle the way he did it. <clears throat> so we're in a formal knockout. So I think Johnny Shane was there. I was on with Mike Bennett in the, in the first semi-final. Can we have the wrestlers to the ring, please? So Mike Bennett goes to the ring. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Mike Bennett goes <coughs> he goes to the ring picking on kids and stuff like that and picking on red coats can we have, t- uh, can we have our today's uh, brave hero or whatever the thing so the next thing <laughs> and it, it goes power to the, 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 the it goes through all the sort of uh, gay fraternity and whatever but the chorus, so I've come out and I'm, I'm dressed as Ben's room and so I've got the dick tape and that. <laughs> the, the big, big dressing gown, Brentford, nylons, and a load of badges <laughs> with Ben's room on it. So the kids are all going, yay! And I've, I've cottoned on that they're playing this Tom Robinson song. So I'm coming to, I've got, no, I'm Brian and Mike Bennett, so I tackle. <laughs> Pointing to me and like laughing their heads off. And it comes to this, it's like a big crescendo chorus. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy this way. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giving that up. All of a sudden, I'm taking the badge off the kids. I'm going, what's it? I'm, I'm, and he said, he, no, he, he told me not to. I was going to play it all the way through. And I get it off now. I'm like, hey, come on, Ben. <laughs> come, on, come on, kids. <laughs> oh. Oh God! So I, I just got it. There's another buttons one as well. Because Brian's handwriting is disgraceful. Yeah. It's it, it looks it's a cross between <laughs> Russian, English, and Chinese. Oh. So when he writes something like there was a fella called Steve Prince, and <laughs> Brian wrote the 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 order the cards out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in the blue corner from Plymouth, Steve Pringle. <laughs> I, I, always, I always thought his name was Pringle. <laughs> Honestly, I've always thought his name was Pringle. That's what you used to call him. Pringle, that's because of that. All right. <laughs> every week, every week, only at my head, he was Pringle. <laughs> So, oh, so, come on, you fool! Keep going. Get it out. Oh, so we used to do patelli on a on a on a Friday, and we were all we were all beat up and we were all tired, and, and your gear smelt of ammonia. You know what? Whatever the, the five the five sets of gear you got. So, um, and it was the Spanish ballroom, and your feet used to stick to the floor. It was yeah. all like crunchy, like sugary, fl- flavored, not flavored, but 
floor. And um and it's full of scousers and full of manks. Um anyway, so Brian's wrote the script to the, the the thing out. I saw like I've come to the ring and like ladies and gentlemen, his opponent in the blue corner from Liverpool. Yeah Rupert Brookside <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Robbie turned into Rupert. So, the fact, and, and, so Brian, Brian felt Brian. One of the rare times I've shown him on his knees, laughing his head off. <laughs> so I've gone. Well, it's not. It says it here. So, so every week. So the next week, Rupert Brookside. So now one of the red coats, Paul McCartney had. Um, we all stand together. Uh, Paul McCartney and Rupert the Bear and the Frog Chorus. Oh, the Frog Chorus, um, I remember that. Bomb, yeah. bomb, bye, bomb, bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Guess who was walking out to? <laughs> but we'd get back to Liverpool, like, we'd get back that night on, on a Friday oh, night, I'd go out with my mates. So the next morning, one of these mornings, I'm at the bus stop with my mate going into town to buy some records. So there's two kids walking down the street, and they stop, and they're like nudging each other, and they're going, Rupert! Rupert! Like, so, so my mate's going, those kids are shouting Rupert at you. What's, what's going on? I said, just ignore them. <laughs> now they're, they're waving and they go, Rupert! Oh yeah, you all right, Rupert? That'll do it. Thank you very much, gents. Oh. You, you absolute heroes. Let's, let's go to Brighton. So that was my chat with William Regal and Robbie Brookside. Thank you so much to both of them for giving me their time and coming up with the idea for us to have a chat. There'll probably be part two at some point because I think we've barely scratched the surface. Really, really grateful to them. Uh, really, really grateful for WWE for letting me tag along with their NXT uh, tour of the UK this week. And um, they were great shows. Next time they're here, try and check them out because fantastic shows to go and enjoy. And I think the fans in Aberdeen, in Leeds and in Brighton really enjoyed them. Um, little plugs on the way out. Don't forget, check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, point people at this podcast via jimsmorman.com slash TNJ or tweet me at jimsmorman. Use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. My little wrestling company, progresswrestling.com, demand-progress.com. More next week. I'll somehow get a podcast up while I'm in America. Um, but there'll be more. Don't worry. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.